And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning. Welcome to the show. Of course, it is Thursday. Second best day of the week as we get ready to wrap up this first week of August. And, uh... You know, it's been an interesting one. Already markets have done a, a lot of the work, right? The yeoman's job here of rallying here over the last few days. Now, a couple of months ago, we were here on the show talking about the fact that there were just too many bears in the markets. And what we needed was for, you know, uh, you know, less bearishness, right? It's hard to have a bear market when consumer sentiment's in the tank and investor sentiment's in the tank and everybody's bearish on the market. There's literally nobody left to sell at that point. So it's hard to have a continuation of a bear market when everybody's already kind of wrung out of that, right? And we talked about that what we needed was a, a rally that was strong enough to then kind of get the bulls back into the game, right? We need to, to suck these investors back into the market so that if you're going to have a continuation of the bear market, you have some fuel for that bear market to work off of. And look, this is, this is what bear markets are famous of doing. There's, they, as they say, there's three phases of a bear market. You have your initial sell-off, you have your rally, that's the second phase, that lures everybody back into the water, right? Ah, the bear market's over, thank goodness, I gotta get back in. And then the rest of the, of the bear market continues. And that's very typical of bear markets throughout history. And what's interesting here is, is that we've had this nice rally off these lows. And look, it's been decent. And we're seeing already a massive surge in articles written about being written about the new bull market, right? So we are now back in a new bull market according to the media. Maybe that's the case. I don't know, but as we're going to talk about with Michael Leibowitz this morning, there's certainly some challenges ahead as we go forward in this market, particularly with some of the comments yesterday from the St. Louis Fed President uh, James Bullard. So we'll, we're, we're going to get into that this morning with Michael Leibowitz. But again, markets here performing very nicely. Uh, analysis out by Cinemat Trader this morning, um, talking about that we have more stocks above the 50-day moving average now. That typically pertains to bottoms in the market. Now, here's the interesting status about that. Now, the analysis that Sentiment Trader did, and they do great work, by the way. I'm not, I'm not bullying their work at all, right? And so they, Sentiment Trader does great work, and their analysis is spot on. Going back to 2009, Every time we've had a big surge in stocks above their 50-day moving average, that was the bottom of, the, of whatever correction we were having. But there's a difference, right? There's a difference this time. Uh, during the entire analysis that Sentiment Trader did, which again, very good spot on, on action, the problem was is that the Fed was cutting interest rates, running near zero interest rate policies, the Fed liquidity was plentiful, and there was no inflation. Today, the difference is, is that, yes, we have a lot of stocks above their 50-day moving average. That is encouraging. And that typically does pretend to at least short-term bottoms in the market. But the difference is now is that we have a Fed aggressively hiking interest rates, face, you know, fighting the inflation fight, and we have inflation running at 40-year highs. 
So there is, you always hate to say, you know, this time is different, but there is a, I'm not saying this time is different, but there is a difference this time in terms of the macroeconomic backdrop that, well, we haven't had to deal with in most investors' lifetimes, right? <laughs> most investors have never seen an economy with 9% inflation. So again, you know, is this time different? Who knows? But the important thing here is, is that we are having this rally. Again, as we talked about yesterday, markets are back to very, very overbought conditions. We took a little bit of profits earlier this week, but still leaving the majority of our allocations uh, working right now. Markets are looking to, to kind of try to follow through this rally yesterday. Markets rallied fairly sharply yesterday on the back of the ISM news. The Institute of Supply Manufacturing, it was the non-manufacturing index out yesterday, showed a nice little pop in it yesterday, but again, a bounce within a fairly negative downtrend for the ISM services index, but did see that bit of bounce and that was a hope that the economy might be a little bit stronger. And as we've talked about this, I'm going to discuss this some more with Michael Ewitz this morning. There's a real possibility that we could see positive economic growth in Q3 and Q4. Now, it won't be great, but, you know, we could see half a percent, one percent growth. Again, as we're getting ready to go back to school, we're going to have some buying, people going back to college, uh, high school, etc. We've got back to school shopping season. Services are picking up. You know, people are needing to have services. So, again, when you have two negative quarters in a row of economic slowdown, things kind of get pent up in the system, right? Uh, consumers need to kind of, you know, buy stuff. They kind of hold off as long as they can and they come back in and buy what they need. So again, a quarter or two of positive economic growth over the next couple of quarters wouldn't be surprising at all. And that would actually set the entire market up again for that recession in 2023 because that's where the Fed rate hikes, and again, we're gonna get into a lot more discussion on this this morning, but, but Fed rate hikes take about nine months to work their way through the system. And so the initial rate hike back in March, that's not gonna show up till December. And then of course, all these more aggressive rate hikes won't show up until next year. So again, the real impact to the economy from tighter Fed policy, and more importantly, the extraction of monetary liquidity. Remember we had $5 trillion worth of checks to households. Well, that's caused a huge spike in the M2 money supply, right? That's how we measure the amount of money in the markets or in the economy. Well, that year-over-year rate of change of money in the market now that people have spent all those checks has now fallen drastically. In fact, it's now a negative year-over-year rate of change. Well, that also has a very high correlation with both inflation and economic growth and runs about a nine-month lead time. So again, a lot of these things that you know tell us that inflation is going to come down and that we're going to see slower rates of economic growth in the future are still coming, right? We're just getting those readings now that have about a nine-month runtime ahead of us. So as these numbers are coming in, they're saying, hey, the real impact of the economic slowdown isn't here. It wasn't in quarter one, quarter two. It's going to be in quarter four, quarter one, quarter two of next year. That's about where the timing is. Now, look, it, it, this is all very subjective, right? Uh, GDP is a very subjective uh, calculation. It's subject to huge revisions of data. And we revise the data on a quarter, you know, every month for the entire quarter following the end of the first quarter. But then we revise it again a year later and then again three years later. So, you know, we may come back and revise GDP for Q1 and Q2. And those might actually be positive down the road. We don't know yet. 
But again, the, uh, the real impact most likely for slower economic growth is not here yet. It's coming. But again, high inflation, high interest rates, high gas prices, high oil prices, high energy prices, all these things certainly weighing on the consumer. The consumer is indeed slowing down, and that is certainly going to be problematic for economic growth as we go forward, and particularly as the Fed continues to be more aggressive about hiking rates. Look, we got a lot to get into and digest this morning. We're going to talk about the recession, potential, where is it, what's going to cause it, um, talk about what the Fed is doing now, what the outlook is, uh, the Fed's dot plot very different than the market's dot plot, what does that mean for stocks, all that's coming up this morning on The Real Investment Show with Michael Leibowitz and, my, and your host, of course, me, Lance Roberts. We'll be right back after the break. Get by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Send your questions, comments, emails. Michael Leibowitz's latest article out on the website, and we'll be right back. Into the confusion, can't you hear the sound that's in the air? Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Inflation touches every aspect of your life. No one can avoid it because we're living in an inflation nation. RIA Advisors has a nine-step inflation battle plan, and we're sharing it with you in a special summer lunch and learn, Thursday, August 4th at noon. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. There's no magic elixir against inflation. Our nine-step plan can help you blunt inflation's effects. Register today at realinvestmentadvice.com. realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. And welcome back to the show this morning. It is, of course, uh, 617 as we get uh, this uh, second best day of the week underway. Michael Leibowitz joining me this morning. You know, we've talked about inflation and, and you know, the impact on Americans. And, and yesterday, there was a really great article out in the Wall Street Journal. We talked a little bit about this on the show yesterday. But it was an article in the Wall Street Journal. It was entitled that the upper middle class is being squeezed by inflation. And what was important about this article is that they had charts in it um, telling us what you and I already knew because we've talked about this on the show before is that the vast majority of Americans, the bottom 80%, they have no savings. Uh, what the chart showed was is that all the savings were held by people that were in the upper 10 and really the upper 1% of the, of, of the working class, those income earners. The bottom 80% had savings of between $250 and $500, right? So you know, all this idea that Americans have excess savings and can can easily weather inflation is is fantastic. It's, it's, a, it's a great headline, but it's not true. And the other chart that was, you know, in this uh, Wall Street Journal article is talking about the, you know, the the household net worths of, of people and, and how they can can weather inflation. And the reason that this is important is, is because in order 
you know, for inflation not to sting, right? You've got to have plenty of discretionary income, right? You know, if, if you've got lots of income and lots of free cash and plenty of cash flow and, and more importantly, no debt, which is, you know, the upper 10% have very little debt relative to their incomes. The bottom 80% have a lot of debt relative to their incomes. So, you know, if you don't have a lot of debt and you got plenty of cash flow, inflation really doesn't mean a whole lot to you. Yeah, you're paying more at the store, but you know, it doesn't really bite like it does if you're just trying to make ends meet and you were struggling to make ends meet before inflation. Inflation makes that much more difficult to make ends meet. And I thought the reason I tell you all this is because talk about tone deaf in terms of the Fed. San Francisco Fed President Mary Daly, who makes $422,000 a year working for the government, uh, scram scrambled out of dozens of investments last year, shortly before the Fed finalized strict new limits on policymakers' portfolios. She just had her Nancy Pelosi moment, of course, as uh, you know, she was figuring that out. Um, but during the interview with Reuters broadcast live on Twitter Spaces, Mary Daly said, I don't feel the pain of inflation anymore. I see prices rising, but I have enough. I sometimes balk at the price of things, but I don't find myself in a space where I have to make trade-offs because I have enough. And many Americans have enough. No, many Americans don't have enough. And the data is clear about this. And, you know, when we talk about really it's not the bottom 80%, it's really the bottom 90% of Americans are, are impacted by inflation. And, you know, just it, it's this is just a very bad tone deaf moment for the Fed. And yesterday, James Bullard, who is the St. Uh, Louis Fed president, came out and said, yeah, we're going to have to hike rates a whole lot more. <laughs> you know, we're about halfway to where we need to be. So, look, to weigh in on all this this morning, our resident Fed expert, Michael Leibowitz, joining us. Mike, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, Lance. Thank you. Good. So, uh, yeah, I uh, just thought it was an incredibly uh, tone-deaf moment for Mary Daly. But, you know, yeah. when you make $422,000 a year, life is good, right? I, and she can't be fired. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind true. of a... You know, unemployment really doesn't matter if you know you can't be fired and you're making good money. Right. So the phone, the, the Fed, though, is very interesting. They are being very hawkish. Every member that comes out says that we're fighting inflation and we're going to keep raising, raising rates. The market keeps saying, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're just about done. You're going to stall and you're going to pivot. So, you know, we're kind of coming up upon an interesting uh, intersection uh, or battle between the Fed and the market. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think that will kind of dictate how the rest of the year plays out and potentially into next year. But going back to your 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 thoughts about inflation, the savings rate is now down to, I think, levels from 2010, 2011. Right. They've just come down sharply and credit card usage is soaring. I put some stats in our commentary. Don't have them in front of me, but it was stunning. Our commentary that will be out in about an hour some of the stats on credit card usage are just stunning on how quickly credit card people are a, a taking out credit cards and b using those credit cards so you know if you kind of put this into the everyday perspective and i'm not talking about the the wealthy or the poor but someone that that or a family that makes good money and they save mm -hmm. right they may not be savings any saving anymore they may have to rely on that extra money that they would save 
to pay the bills. Right. And, you know, like we talked about earlier, there's a lot of families and I'm not talking about the bottom 10, 20, 20, 30 percent that have reduced their savings significantly and use credit card debt. And that all boosts the economy. It's all good for the economy. It's all Mm -hmm. good for GDP, but it's like a tax. And in the future, that tax is they don't have more savings to spend. And B, they have credit card debt that has to be paid down versus having that money to buy something else. So, you know, the possibility that we do get positive economic growth for another quarter, you know, for a quarter, possibly two, is not outlandish. Uh, But again, I think a lot of what, you know, what you said, a lot of what the Fed has done hasn't really affected the market. Yeah. And by the way, QT is just starting. Yeah. Or, and, 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 you know, point though, I, I don't want to get too far off the credit cards real quick because I, it's such an important point, um, you know, about what we're talking about here. Because again, you know, Mary Daly's making 422000 a year. She's got a lot of stuff provided to her through her business that she doesn't have to pay for. Um, but, you know, you know, she makes a lot, she makes very, very good money. She's definitely in the upper income earners. And so, yeah, probably, you know, the sting of inflation isn't hurting her. But, Again, if we go back and, and look at the, the credit card statistics, you know, when we were sending money to households, right, these checks, people paid off their credit cards, right, as, they, as, as you would expect them to, right? It's like, oh, man, finally I get, you know, I got a $1,500 check here. I can finally go pay off this credit card that's been just nagging me, right? I've been behind on my credit card. I can finally get a big chunk of that paid off. And they did that, right? So that was financially a very good move for a lot of people, and they, they paid down their credit card debt. Now, if they had a bunch of excess savings, like you know Mary Daly says, and as a lot of our White House spokespeople tell us, is that you know the American is very, very you know economically strong. And yesterday we had the ISM's a non-manufacturing index showed an uptick, right? So clearly, this is why the markets rally. Clearly, the economy's stronger, and the and and people are doing just fine. But if people were doing just fine they wouldn't be taking out new credit cards and they wouldn't be ramping up their current credit card debt to new records. And they're not buying more stuff. They're just paying more for the same amount of the volume. And so when we measure retail sales and these type of things, we always measure it in dollar amounts. We don't measure it in the, the quantity of goods sold, right? And so we're, what we're seeing is people are paying a lot more. They're not necessarily buying more. Walmart told us this. They in their in their latest earnings report, they said our traffic was slower in the stores as people are having to cut back on the quantity of stuff that they're buying. So, I, you know, that's such a key point here into the, this whole story. When you read these headlines that, oh, the Americans fine, they're weathering inflation. They're really not. It's just that they've got access to credit for now, which is allowing them to, to bridge that gap between incomes and the cost of living. But that's a finite runway that they're on. Right. Right. And it has a payback. And, you know, that's what that's what concerns. And I think that's what concerns the Fed. Right. That's why the Fed is talking differently than the market, because they know that if inflation continues to run at eight, nine, 10 percent and wages are only growing at four or five percent, people will get for every day this goes on. People are getting further and further behind and their lifelines, credit Mm -hmm. and savings are dwindling. So, you know, I think the Fed for once in my life, I can say may actually be getting it. Now, we'll see, Lance, if they actually what they actually do over the coming, Mm -hmm. you know, three months to year. But I get the impression that the Fed gets it and they, they understand how bad, how hard inflation is on a large, a very large percentage 
of Americans. Um, And (laughs) that's why I think we really have to listen to what they're saying. We look, they've been very friendly for 30 years, so we can't just trust them that (laughs) all of a sudden they care. Yeah. They care about anything more than the bank's health and markets going up. But like you said, I think this time may be different. And if this time is different, relying on the Fed, the Fed of the last 30 years is relying on someone that is gone. This is a, potentially a new Fed. And that's what we will suss out over the next, yeah. you know, the rest of this year and early next year. Is it a new Fed or is it the same old Fed? But inflation changes that equation drastically. Well, you know, one one thing here is, and we'll talk about, you know, the Fed and and what they're trying to do and how far we do we think they'll get in the next segment. But, you know, it is interesting is that the Fed wants to get their inflation back down to 2%. And I think that's interesting because at 2% inflation, you're almost guaranteeing yourself 2% rates of economic growth. And what we should be hoping for is, four or five percent economic growth in the economy that's where you really get that lift of economic prosperity you're employing the majority of the workforce um you know everybody's doing their job so to speak but that comes along you know if you have that type of economic growth you should have inflation running near that same level right three three four five percent because people are acting in the economy buying stuff that means prices come up um you know, it's interesting that the Fed's trying to push back down towards that 2% inflation rate. And we know it's because of the huge amount of debt in the economy, right? Um, and they, they realize we can't hold much above that. But it is interesting that we're trying to push back down to those very low levels of inflation because that's the only type of, of level of inflation and economic growth where we can sustain the amount of debt that we have, not only just in the government, 30 plus trillion dollars, but also the entire massive debt snowball we have through the rest of the economy as well. When we come back from the break, we'll pick up with Michael Leibowitz again, talk a little bit about, okay, so the Fed yesterday, James Bullard, talked about needing to hike rates to 375 to 4% of the overnight lending rate. Question is, can they get there? Um, more importantly, anything else is, you know, what does that mean? for the markets and for the economy and how long is it before all this actually shows up in the data. Be right back after the break. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com inflation touches every aspect of your life no one can avoid it because we're living in an inflation nation ria advisors has a nine-step inflation battle plan and we're sharing it with you in a special summer lunch and learn thursday august 4th at noon register now at realinvestmentadvice.com there's no magic elixir against inflation our nine-step plan can help you blunt inflation's effects register today at realinvestmentadvice.com realinvestmentadvice.com Can't catch the whole show now? Listen to our podcast later at realinvestmentadvice.com. Got a PE that's not so growthy anymore. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Growthy. It's it's a new term. It's a a new New term. Growthy. It's a a new Bushism for for Michael E. (laughs) (laughs) The Real Investment Show podcast. Same show, your schedule. And I guess this really goes to, uh, you know, portfolio strategy as... Growthery and strategy. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. At realinvestmentadvice.com. 
Anyone can sell you insurance and they'll gladly take your premium dollars. The RIA Insurance Agency can provide you with insurance solutions tailor-made for your needs and lifestyle. Because everyone's assets are different, let RIA Insurance review what you need to protect and how. We won't sell you insurance, but what you need will be a matter of policy. RIA Insurance Agency. 888-915-0780. 888-915-0780. Realinvestmentadvice.com. Click on the insurance tab. Real Investment Show podcasts are now available from Stitcher Smart Radio at Stitcher.com. Hi, Lance Roberts here. If you're like most people, your 401k plan represents the bulk of your retirement assets. And unfortunately for many, managing your 401k plan can be difficult. There's so many choices, so many things to consider. With just a quick email, a couple of questions, you can put RIA advisors to work for you managing your 401k plan. It's a quick and easy application. Just simply click ask a question at realinvestmentadvice.com or give us a call at 855-RIA-PLAN. That's realinvestmentadvice.com. Have market gyrations caused you to lose sleep? If so, it's because you have more risk in your portfolio than you realize. It's time to reevaluate your long-term investing strategy with RIA Advisors. Our disciplined approach can help eliminate unnecessary risk. If you think it's time to work with an advisor who puts your interests first, it's time for Real Investment Advice. RIAadvisors.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. And welcome back to the show this morning. I'm host Lance Roberts, Michael Leibowitz joining me as well, talking a little bit about what's coming down the pike with the Fed. Of course, yesterday, markets ignored James Bullard's conversations talking about, oh, they're going to have to keep hiking rates for right now because inflation's running a lot hotter than expected. And the question, of course, becomes a very interesting one because even if inflation, the rate of inflation begins to drop uh, to where we only have 0.3% increase on a month-over-month basis or a 0.4% increase, inflation will come down, but it'll still be high by the end of the year. We'll still be running north of 6 7% inflation, you know, maybe even closer to 8 So, you know, inflation is going to remain high, which is going to keep the Fed engaged in hiking rates for some time. So now the question becomes, you know, they're looking at trailing data. So they're looking at unemployment rates they're looking at trailing inflation data and, and one thing that we've talked about here before on the show and i'll give you a real-time example um you know we sold our house uh finally closed on it yesterday uh sorry on monday we closed and so but we listed our house for sale the house actually went under contract more than a month ago because we needed time to find a place to rent and all this other type of stuff so even though we had an agreement to sell the house and it set the price on the house and everything was ready to, ready to close, there was a delay in that closing process. So, so as far as the world knows, nothing happened on the house until we actually closed this past Monday. Well, the problem is, is that the closing on Monday won't show up until next month. And so the, the reason this is important is, is because a lot of this data has a big lag effect to it. And so the Fed is looking at re, you know, recent reports. We're looking at a recent unemployment report or a recent inflation report. But a lot of the data inside of these reports has a big lag effect to it. And more importantly, they're subject to very big revisions in the future. So even though we may have thought we had 350,000 jobs last month, we may find out next year that, oh, we didn't really have 350,000 new jobs. We only had 100,000, right? 
And that and, and big negative revisions are not uncommon when you're heading into a recession, right? That's not uncommon at all. So, so again, the Fed's working off this very much lagging data. So the, the problem for the Fed is going to know when they've gone too far. And, and as we've said before, as we said in the last segment of the show, one of the big risks for the Fed in hiking rates is, is that when they do an interest rate increase, so they hiked 75 basis points this past month, this past meeting, and that interest rate isn't going to show up until next year because it's got a nine, about a nine-month lag to it before it works its way into the economy through all the different channels and, and modes of operation. So, you know, the problem for them is they're hiking rates. They're looking at this lagging data that's, that's behind them, and they're going to keep hiking rates based on that, but that each rate hike that they do is pushed out further and further into the future before it actually impacts. And this is why, if you look back in history, the Fed always hikes to the point that they break something. And when they break something, and this is, and I'm writing an article, and this will be out tomorrow, actually. Jim Cramer just recently said, you know, the time to buy stocks is when the Fed pivots. Actually, that's not the case. When the Fed stops hiking, that's when they've realized they've broken something, and generally stock prices are going a lot lower. So the, the time you want to buy stocks is when the Fed is not only sharply reversing their Fed policy, but now it'll be when those rates approach back to zero, that's where you really want to start buying stocks, right? So, you know, because they're going to be trying to drop rates very rapidly as the realization they broke something in the economy occurs. So, but so, but this is the point, and, and this is the conversation right now with Michael Leibowitz is, you know, the Fed is right now focused on trying to get rates up to 3.75 to 4%, according to James Bullard. Now, whether they get there or not is a question. The question really to ask is how much more can they hike rates before they break something? Mike, what do you think? Well, it's kind of interesting, Lance, because what the market is doing is saying, no, you're not. Mm -hmm. right? The market has its estimate for Fed funds down, but the yields are all coming down. And the yields on corporate bonds are coming down quicker than Treasury bonds, and same with mortgages. So what the market is essentially doing, and the stock market going up, that that increases wealth with which increases demand for goods and services and again lower rates for whether it's corporation or mortgages or the government help help with spending right mm -hmm. so the market is putting fuel on the fire that the fed is trying to put out and i, I think that's a really interesting dynamic that's happening because they're actually giving the Fed more room to do what they want to do. If <laughs> I know, you remember, I was, I was just about to bring that up. I go, isn't that going to be counterintuitive, right? Because very, yeah, because the Fed's looking at financial instability and there isn't any. And right, if you remember a few months ago, maybe four or five months ago, we were saying the market is doing the Fed's job. Mm -hmm. The Fed may have figured this out. They they talk they talk aggressively. You raise start raising rates and bond yields shot up higher. And we we're like, that's genius. You got mortgages up to 6%. You're going to crush the housing market, which is almost a third of CPI, 15, 20% of GDP. You're going to you're going to let the market do the job for mm -hmm. you. And to some degree, that is what happened. And that's why we got negative growth for the last two quarters. But now you're actually reversing all that stuff. And, the, you know, the other thing is, it's not just whether rates are going higher or markets going lower. But it's the volatility of that, right? 1987 stocks fell significantly, but it happened in a week. <laughs> right. We grinded down lower, you know, over six months, about 20%. Mm -hmm. It was a very controlled 
uh, implosion drawdown. And, and, <laughs> I, and I would say based on the stock market, corporate bond markets, a lot of other things, there was no financial instability. Right. Nothing like what we saw in 2008. And now, now, again, that's a reason the Fed may not do everything they want to do is financial instability. Mm-hmm. You have extreme financial stability right now, right? A lot of those indicators the Fed looks at are, way, are back to normal and in some cases even better than, better than average. Financial conditions for lending are easing quickly. So the, the market is giving the Fed ammo the Fed needs to get inflation down. And, and look, 5% inflation is not going to solve the problem. I know it's not that 9, 10, 9% we have today, mm-hmm. but this is, and I think this is where the big disconnect is. Inflation is peaking. Uh, you know, it, there are enough signs that it's peaking, whether it's, you know, we, we actually drop in next months or it takes a, a month or two more. That's tough to say because of all the lags in the data, but inflation is peaking. We saw a decent decline in both of the ISM indices. We've seen a big drop in commodity prices, gas prices. We know real estate prices are coming down, but it's going to take a little while. So, so inflation has peaked, and I don't think that is. There are a few people that think it hasn't, but uh, you know, I think among most investors, that's not really debatable. The question is how quick and how far how long till you get back down to 2%. Mm-hmm. And I think this is what the market's not thinking about is that we get inflation kind of in that four to six range and it stalls, it gets stuck there. And we get a persistently high level of inflation, not high as what we have today, but high compared to the 2% goal. And I think that's, that's the, that's probably next year's agenda item, but that's, that's a, uh, something very different than we've had to deal with in 30 years in our careers. And so when we talk about this time is different, it's not just the 10%, 9% inflation that we've had to deal with. That's not necessarily, it, that's different. But if it were to come right back down to 2%, this time wouldn't be that different. Right. It's if it stays persistent. And, you know, there's a, uh, my article this week, I talk about the BIS, the Bank for International Settlements, and they're kind of the central bank for central banks. And they're very concerned that a higher level of inflation, we're in a higher inflation regime. Basically, they're not saying we're, we're stuck here at 10%, but what they are saying is kind of what I'm saying, that there is a potential for four or 5% running inflation for a longer while. And, you know, then you start throwing in these, you know, the war with Russia, Russia, Ukraine and kind of the hostilities with China. And all of that makes us more dependent on bringing deglobalization. Globalization was deflationary. Deglobalization is inflationary, Mm -hmm. right? Bringing chip manufacturers back to the U.S. comes at a cost. We can't pay our workers two dollars an hour. We have minimum wages, we have regulations, we have rules that that inherently make it more expensive. And, and, you know, that's not a bad thing, but it is inflationary. And I think there's a lot of factors out there that can help you make a case that inflation will be persistent, not not 10 percent again, but persistently higher than 2 percent further out, I think, than markets are truly expecting right now right well and again i think when we come back and and talk about the markets themselves and you know when you know 
the it's interesting to watch right now because you know we talked about earlier that there was too much bearishness in the markets and there were so many people that were bearish so much negative sentiment positioning was offsides that we were due for this really strong kind of counter trend rally and what we need for the bear market to continue if there's going to if there's going to be another leg of this bear market that we needed to get people back we need to get people back into the markets right we needed more bullish kind of commentary and, and now we're seeing a record number just a huge spike in in articles being written about the new bull market the new bull market's back retail investors piling back into over the last week piling back into those meme stock trades that we saw previously you know retail investors you know thinking oh the bottom's in and the one thing that a lot of these people haven't been through yet is a real bear market which is where you get this reflexive rally sucks everybody back into the market and then the impact of all these fed rate hikes hits the markets hits the economy hits earnings which still have a good ways to fall just to normalize back to normal levels so this could be a really interesting and challenging market for a lot of investors over the course of the next several months we we'll right back after the break don't go away Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Inflation touches every aspect of your life. No one can avoid it because we're living in an inflation nation. RIA Advisors has a nine-step inflation battle plan, and we're sharing it with you in a special summer lunch and learn, Thursday, August 4th at noon. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. There's no magic elixir against inflation. Our nine-step plan can help you blunt inflation's effects. Register today at realinvestmentadvice.com. realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment show and welcome back to the show this morning good news because we need some good news Besides the market being slightly up this morning. Brent's getting his mic ready. What, you got a comment? Got something you want to say? Anticipation. <laughs> Just in case you want to comment? Yeah. I <laughs> got it. Because I can. Yes, you can. Actually, this was uh, actually from Brent's uh, note page this morning, and I'm sure something that he's uh, just licking his chops over. Oreo pumpkin spice cookies are coming back to a store near you. Oh, yeah, baby. Just in time for fall. Mm-hmm. Well, except in Texas. <laughs> It'll be for late summer. Farm, okay, so you know you know, there's two Farmer's Almanacs, right? Yes. There's the old Farmer's Almanac and mm -hmm. the new one. And they don't always agree with each other, right? right? Yeah. So, I, you know, I've never gone back to actually check which one is accurate from one year to the next. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody actually does. But the new Farmer's Almanac says that we are due for, in Texas, the, the south, southern region, right? We're mm -hmm. due for a more normal winter this year just a normal winter does it define what normal is well just kind of historical averages oh, okay. right so okay. you know yeah a little cooler weather not super cold we're not going to have another freeze right apparently uh like we had a couple of years ago and it's not going to be a hot winter right so <laughs> it's going to be kind of a normal winter none of this global warming garbage yeah well yeah. except for if you live in nebraska montana 
they are predicting that you're going to have glacial temperatures this winter. Really? Massive snowbank, massive snowfall, mm-hmm. r- super cold. And this goes all the way over to Michigan and uh, kind of up into, into you know, the, the northeastern handles. But, you know, there's going to be this kind of big Arctic blast that's coming through this winter. Now, the, again, this is all according to the new Farmer's Almanac, right? So, right, yeah. Don't, I'm not saying this is the fact, right? This is all estimates, but... We're due for can you, can you ask them if they can stop it at the Appalachian Mountains for me? <laughs> I don't think I think you're I think you're in for it according to the new farmers almanac. I haven't checked the old farmers almanac. Maybe that one's different. Because like I said, sometimes they don't all agree. Hey, we could have dueling so almanacs. I still, yeah. Well, go ahead, Mike. I could still tease you for a couple months about the heat and humidity, but you're gonna get back we, at me in no, a few no, months. No, 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 no. You can tease me about the heat, but we have no humidity. When it's this damn hot, there is no humidity. Everything <laughs> evaporates instantly. <laughs> yeah. So you can't have humidity and high heat. Those just two don't work together. Now, what you can do is you can cook. You can bake cookies on your on your car hood. So yeah, you know yeah. if you want to do that. But at least you don't have to shovel that stuff. Exactly. My, my truck has a ceramic coating on it. Yes. So, you know, just like nothing sticks to it. Mm-hmm. It's like Teflon. And yeah. So like you can throw cookie dough up there, yeah. bake cookies, and they come right off. Like nice. no, no stick in, yeah. no nothing. It's great. A little extra flavoring from the bugs <laughs> on the grill, huh? No, no. You wash the truck first. <laughs> come on. Yeah. <laughs> Multi-use truck. Yes. <laughs> Bacon, eggs, cookies, all in one. Mm-hmm. one, one thing. It's like a big grill. Sounds great. Yeah. Big griddle. Anyway, uh, back to our story. Uh, so talking a little bit about the Fed, you know, the, so just to kind of sum up here is that what's interesting is, is that the Fed, they, as Mike said earlier, what's very interesting is that Wall Street is predicting that the Fed is going to pivot sometime soon. And, and if you kind of imagine a Wall Street dot plot, uh, they're predicting Fed rate cuts by the end of this year and particularly and potentially in the first quarter of next year. The Fed is nowhere near that. There is a huge gap in the dot plot between the Fed and, and Wall Street. And it's interesting because as we talked about, I think it was on Monday or Tuesday this week, you know, Wall Street's mantra over the last decade has been don't fight the Fed. Now they're fighting the Fed left and right, right? Trying to figure out a way to get a rally going in the markets. They want markets, of course, investors want markets to go up. Um, but you know, this is a, a big, you know, kind of a big deviation between what Wall Street is saying the Fed's going to do and what the Fed is saying they're going to do. And the question is really is which one's going to be right. You know, if you're making a bet right now, and again, as I said, just for the end of the, the end of the last segment, retail investors are piling back in to meme stocks and, and, and really individual stocks. They're shifting out of ETFs and piling into individual stocks, looking for those big banks, right? And you know, we've had a nice return yesterday. You know, companies like Asana and AMC and others were up, you know, 10, 11, 12 percent yesterday. So big return days. So from a from a investing speculation standpoint, this has been a really good little rally for markets. Now, again, the one thing they haven't learned through experience is what a real bear market does. And 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 I'm and Mike and I aren't saying that we're in a real bear market. What we've had so far is a correction within a bear market. I'm oh, sorry, within a bull market, right? We we have never broken the bullish trend of the market at all. I mean, we're not even close to breaking the bullish trend going back to 2009. So this is still a very positively trending market. So far, we've had a correction. Stocks are down 15% for the year. It's not that big of a deal um, considering how much gains you have. And in fact, the way the Fed, and this is an important differential, right? 
the way investors look at the market this year is like, oh my gosh, stocks are down 20%. It's terrible. It's a bear market, right? It's, it's, it's horrible, right? We need the Fed. The, and, and the markets are right now going, the Fed needs to cut rates. The Fed needs to pivot so we can get stocks back up because it's terrible. That's not the way the Fed looks at the market. The Fed looks at the market going, well, stocks are still 23% higher than they were at the peak of the market in February of 2020. This is two years later, right? We're in 2022 now, right? So, so two years later, the markets have had a 10% annualized rate of return. There is no significant impact to the wealth effect that the market provides to the economy and to the consumer from the Fed's point of view. So again, going back to what Mike said earlier, the, the financial markets and the credit markets, there is no financial stress. There is no pressure on the Fed to stop hiking rates in order to bail out markets. We haven't got there yet. Now, what you're going to need for that is you're going to need credit spreads to blow out. You're going to need stocks to be down 20, 30, 40 percent. Then the Fed's going to go, OK, we need to solve financial stability. But right now, we're nowhere close to that. A fair statement, Mike? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I'd like to pivot a little bit. Uh, talk about something we had talked about earlier, but I think it's important because we all have this index. And you go back to late 2021 and the market was going to the moon. Everyone thought it would just hit all time highs every day and just keep going up and up and mm -hmm. up. And at that time we were getting increasingly concerned. About a month ago, the market was going to zero in everyone's eyes and not zero, but it was going much lower. And at the time we said we need you know, this is when you get a, a boom, a bear market rally. It's when everyone is on the wrong side. So we all have this thing. You know, we all have a gut. Right. And it, a lot of times in the market, your gut is just kind of it can go up or down. It's trending up. It's trending down. But there are times when that gut indicator is telling you, uh oh, like right now, my gut is saying, you know what, can we get back to all time highs? Is that possible? So it, it's starting, the gut's getting a little more bearish. It's thinking, you know what, FOMO is is back in flavor, uh, back in favor. Uh, you know, maybe the Fed will stall, maybe the Fed will pivot or all-time highs possible. A month ago, it was like, you know what, what's the next line of support further down? It's another couple hundred points lower. We're probably going to go there. That's what the gut's telling you. It's kind of extrapolating those trends. But at times when those trends are really whippy, your gut really tells you that, you know, that that we could be going much lower or much higher. And that's we all have that indicator in us. And that's when you have to really think to yourself, if my gut's telling me the market's going much lower and everyone else is saying that and you can look at technicals because you could see everything at, you know, a month, month and a half ago was grossly oversold. And you can look at the newspapers and watch CNBC or Fox and you know, all the different news outlets and and see that everyone was bearish. Everyone's gut was saying we're going much lower. That's when you have to fight the gut and go the other way. But and what we've seen over the last month is that we've gone from the markets going much lower to we're going all time highs. Everything's OK again. The Fed's done. Fed's just about done. We're going back to the good old days. So, you know, use that indicator that you have. It's in yourself. And then tie it out to the market, to the media, to the, you know, a whole bunch of different sources. And that can help you kind of manage these markets. And it's really hard to fight your gut. It's really hard to buy when everyone's selling and it's really hard to sell when everyone's buying. 
But history has shown over and over again that often, and especially at extreme moments of overbuying and overselling, mm -hmm. those are the times when you want to take some actions. Yeah. And, you know, and again, it's interesting because, you know, Right now, the markets are rallying sharply. Markets are going to be up a little bit more this morning, and we'll see how far they can go. But, you know, we're getting back to pretty overbought conditions in the market short term. But, again, as I said earlier, you know, you got record number of articles coming out on the new bull market has started, why you need to be invested in stocks. Uh, you know, retail investors are jumping in. And, and, and that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But it's almost kind of, you know, avoiding what's going on the rest of the world. The Bank of England just hiked their rates by the most since 1995 right and so they're it's, doing qt and they're doing qt and and the point and my point is though is that you know what's happening in the u.s is happening globally right so you know the entire globe is being brought under pressure of higher interest rates by central banks reduced liquidity to slow down this inflationary pressure, but that's going to create an economic slowdown, not just domestically, but globally. And that's going to also impact 40% of corporate revenues come from international dealings. So if we have an economic slowdown on a global basis, that's going to cause earnings to decline a lot more than currently expected here in the U.S. And that's not even factored into stock prices yet. So, you know, you know, the question, of course, and this is going to, this is, and we, and Mike and I don't have the answer, right? We don't know, but it's going, you know, what we do know is that we, we have a pretty good suspicion that navigating markets over the next several months and next few quarters is going to be a lot more difficult than what it currently appears to be by listening to the media. But we'll see. We'll navigate it day to day. Of course, that's what we do here every day. That's why we have our daily market commentary that Mike and I put together every morning. Gets emailed to you at 7.30. All you have to do is go to the website, Real Investment Advice, click the subscribe button on the daily commentary, and you can uh, get that. Our weekly newsletter comes to you as well, brought to you by Simplevisor. It is a complete market recap update and investing analysis. That comes out every Saturday. Subscribe to that as well. And, of course, check out Simplevisor.com, our subscription digital uh, investing service. Look, it's all at the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. See you back here tomorrow.